0: A Southwest 737-300 is landing in Burbank, but they made some miscalculations. What caused this flight to speed off the end of the runway?
1: Welcome back to the Heart Landings Podcast, everybody. I'm Nick.
2: I'm Miranda. And I'm Christy. Hey. Hello. Hi, everyone. I'm going to preface this episode with the fact that I'm probably going to hit a very large milestone on my cross stitch in the middle of this episode. So I'm going to have a small party. It's fine. Woot, woot.
0: Woot,
1: woot. 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 woot, woot.
0: woot, woot. woot, woot. Anyways. Anyway, welcome back to the Disaster Podcast. And by that, I mean we are all disasters. <laughs> that's and correct. we talk about disasters. That's correct. If you are new here, uh, go back. Yeah. I don't know what else to tell you. We're weird. If you're new
2: here, please go listen to episode 12 and episode
0: 28.
1: That's not foreshadowing.
0: <sighs> I don't remember what either of those is. That's Me neither. I know what 11 is. I don't remember what
1: 12 is. I have no idea. I don't I don't remember usually almost any of them anymore. We have done so many of these now? Yeah. We are we're coming up on 200 rapidly.
0: Oh boy. And you is, said you had an idea for
1: 200, right? I had an idea, but I don't know if it's gonna be a thing, we'll see.
0: Okay. Episode 56 is also relevant. Okay. Well, like
2: can you that- tell I have the list pulled up in front of me?
0: Yeah. By the way, you should check out the merch site. We just
1: ordered a bunch of merch for ourselves. We
2: did. Tragically.
0: They don't have pajamas
1: right now, which the PJs. is the one thing we all really wanted. Yeah.
2: So I, I sent a group text to the Hard Landings staff group chat and I was very upset.
0: I'm really
1: disappointed. There's five of us now and we all wanted to have matching PJs and that ain't happening.
0: Uh, I For the definitely time being. was going to correct you and I definitely can't do math. So you're good. There are five, <laughs> there are five of us now. I was there like, like I wasn't counting myself.
1: Yes. Yeah. You too.
0: <laughs> I mean, unless
1: you don't want PJs. That is not I who P- I would have thought what? you didn't count.
2: <laughs> what color PJs were you going to get? I was curious. Pink.
1: They come in red, right?
2: Nope. No. What
1: do they come in? Blue. Okay. And pink. All right.
2: And gray gray are the kid
0: ones.
1: Oh. They
2: come they I saw gray on the women's one. Oh, maybe it's gray Then I'd get gray.
1: Uh, well, I don't know. I guess I'll be blue.
2: <laughs> okay, you and I can't have the same color.
1: Why not? Are you going to be blue? Then I'll be gray if they have it in men's.
2: They do I have ain't it in being pink. <laughs> Why not?
1: Cuz I want that's not what I want. I don't think it it comes in pink in the men's. I don't think so.
2: Every time we've gotten matching PJs, I've gotten things confused and ended up wearing, like, why am I wearing such big pajama pants? Oh, wait a second. They are mine. You could just look
0: at the actual, like, tag. No, that's that's too much. (laughs) To be like, is this my size or not? Nope. We just can't have matching. It's fine.
1: Okay. Well. Anyway. Anyways. Welcome back. All that to say, I wish we had PJs, but we don't. Yes. We're out right now.
2: We're going to get PJs one day. I promise. And then we're going to have a pajama
1: party. Right. Send us stories. Please. Please. I like stories. We did get some more. Yes. But we need
0: more. Um, more. I'd have to do a tally on how many we currently have, but I would say maybe one or two more and then we can do an episode. So Yeah. if you have a story, you should tell us a story.
1: We just did our monthly Zoom calls with our flight crew patrons.
2: Thank you to our flight crew patrons.
1: We got to meet a new one.
2: Yes. Hi, Tracy.
0: Hello,
1: Tracy. That was fantastic. It's always a good time. Those are always a good time. And if you want to participate, all you have to do is be a flight crew patron. And if you want to know what that means, you can go
0: on our website under the Patreon info tab, or you could go onto Patreon and look us up.
1: And this is a fantastic time to do one-on-one discussions with us, as you please. You if can, you have We talk about anything, questions. everything in between, anything you can possibly imagine we have talked about.
2: We also slightly interrogate you.
1: We do. I mean, especially if you're new. we just ask new, you. Yeah. We just ask you some very general questions, nothing hard. Just
2: very hard questions, No, but
1: not very hard questions and just general things about.
2: OK, some of those questions were kind of hard.
1: Sure, but I mean, not that hard. Just aviation related things.
0: And then make sure you also sign up for the newsletter. Miranda puts a lot of work into the newsletter. I do. Please validate her. You Please read it. <laughs> I say <laughs> that's not, all I don't read it. Yeah, but you also don't make it. So um, you, you know what's coming next. I know. You have the, <laughs> you have the information for that. Also, I'm running out of ideas for the tidbit. Tidbit. Like it, there wasn't a tidbit in the last one because I didn't have anything. So if you want to write a tidbit, I can put it in the newsletter and put your name under it and say you wrote it. If you what if you started like you doing
2: do like little miniature histories of different
0: aviation companies? That's more work on my part.
2: I mean like the like four sentences.
0: Again, more work on my part.
2: I mean over, over the summer,
0: sure. Yeah, because but that's what when we're I'm on. going back to school, no.
2: I mean, like you could do Pratt and Whitney and G E and Boeing and Airbus. I mean
0: small things. I could write them too if you need help. Yeah. I, I just don't have the time to do that when I'm at school. I, I get home and I'm tired and I don't want to do anything. Believe
1: me, me, I understand. Which
0: is why I haven't done my Miranda so which I will do. I'm sorry.
1: Yep. I okay. sorry.
0: I will do it. Okay. Sight. All that being said. What are we covering today, Nick?
1: Today we are covering Southwest Airlines Flight 1455.
0: Another Southwest, huh? Uh huh.
2: Thank you to our patron Rich for recommending this.
1: This one has a lot of unique and interesting. It's things been a while since we covered the Southwest. Yes.
0: You will get flashbacks.
1: I don't think we've had a recommendation from Rich in a while, so thank yeah. you, Rich, for doing this. I we will probably have to remind you because we haven't heard from you in a hot minute.
2: Yeah. We miss you. <laughs>
1: But we are doing this, and this is we. I don't know if we'll have even another Southwest to cover after this, to be honest, because we've covered pretty much all the other have s- we significant ones. Yeah, we've covered two other ones.
0: Now I have to fact. We have covered
1: three. Yes, no, two, two. two other ones. But the only other ones that are significant. There's no, there's other things that of course have happened with Southwest, but they're not of note. They're not of significance. They're, okay, so
2: there was this one, then there was oh, oh, air rage was a case of air
1: rage Ooh, that's fine probably doesn't have a report though
2: nope but it resulted in someone dying oh wow there was gray, gray. that's great great flight 1248 at midway yep yeah covered, covered that
1: one that's probably the most famous
2: there was 2294 in 2009
1: i don't recall it was
2: a one. rapid depressurization oh
1: pfft. yeah uh, flight 812 covered. in
2: 2011
1: I don't remember. Which that.
2: was also rapid depressurization. Oh, that was
1: was that the one where that had the skin peel back? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we flight, covered
2: did we cover that? I
0: don't, I
2: don't
1: think so. That.
0: I don't think so.
2: Flight three forty five in twenty thirteen was a hard landing.
1: Yeah. Okay. Meh.
2: The captain was fired. Cool. Oh. There was flight thirty four seventy two, which was an uncontained engine failure in twenty sixteen. Yeah, we there, covered that. Nope, that, that we covered the one in twenty eighteen. Oh, okay. Oh. Different one. Cool. And then there was
1: Then that one's not of note either. I wouldn't even.
2: What the? I didn't hear about this. Hmm. In 2020, they ran over someone? What? Yeah.
1: I feel like I heard something about that.
2: Yeah, no, they ran over someone. Oh, that's horrifying.
1: But how? (laughs) Anyways.
2: So yes, all the major ones will have been covered. Yeah. All the ones resulting in deaths not due to a passenger.
1: So, I, yeah, I don't know that any of the other ones will be necessarily worth covering. If some of y'all want to recommend some of those, I guess, as long as there's a report, we can try. But for the most part, this is kind of the last one of significance. But this one's very significant. This occurred on March 5th of 2000. Okay. This was a Boeing 737-300 with the tail number November 668 Sierra Whiskey. Because Southwest.
0: Southwest.
1: <laughs> now, actually, they mostly go by Whiskey November. Because that is their ICAO code.
2: Which I still don't understand.
1: Don't know. Don't know. It's probably what they got because SW probably belonged to somebody else already.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well I have to go look
1: it up. This was a flight from Las Vegas to Burbank, California.
0: Okay, not very long, I would think.
1: Nope, I have taken this flight. It's all of like 45 minutes. Yeah, I'm like... Maybe an hour.
0: Air Namibia is SW. Okay,
1: why that? (laughs) That's a great question. Probably because they could. I'm sure there's some background to that I don't I, don't, really, I don't I don't, I don't, I don't know. care enough. That's okay. The captain for this flight was Howard Peterson.
2: It's because they it used to be Southwest Air Transport. There you go. That's why. That makes sense.
1: There are also other Southwests that have existed throughout history, like China Southwest and there's I don't know, there's Emery Aviation. Anyways, captain for this flight was Howard Peterson. He was 52 years old at the time he had a, about 11,000 hours total, of which 9,870 hours were on the 737. I do have to say that that makes him one of the most proportionally high captains we've ever talked about type to total hours. He had only 1,200 hours, basically, not on the 737 out of his 11,000. So for him to have 9,870 hours on the 737 at the time of this accident, that's a lot. That's a lot. We've not talked about many crew members that have so much time on one type of aircraft. The first officer for this flight was Jeffrey Irwin. He was 43 years old at the time. He had 5,032 hours total, of which 2,522 hours were on the 737. So also a reasonably high number of hours on the 737. If this doesn't speak anything to how Southwest operates, I don't know what does. Typically, when a pilot starts with Southwest, they end and retire with Southwest. Rarely do pilots move on from there. I will say that about them.
0: But isn't it like, aren't they one of the most high paying airlines, though? They are.
1: That's why. That's correct.
0: Turns out when you pay your
1: staff, they've always kind of been that way as well as just I don't know. They just always had that kind of that thing with their pilots where it's just the pilots just really like they treat them well, but they also just really like the routings and the the schedule, the the flights, the way that the airline operates. They they always liked those. Kinds I wonder of things. if that's still true after last year. Yes and no. Yes and no. Working around some of these pilots, I can tell you yes and no. They're all still very proud. They all still want to work for Southwest. It's, it's, I don't know. There's something different about it. The pilots at Southwest versus other airlines, but there's still issues just like every airline. Of course there is. No doubt. They, they have those same, same thoughts. So at Las Vegas, 137 passengers boarded the flight, joining the five person crew for a total of 142 people on board. Full flight. The flight was the first for the flight crew of the day of a three day trip as part of five total flights that they would do over three days. So, not a whole lot, but this was their very first leg on a three-day trip and five flights. The first officer arrived at the Las Vegas airport around 12.45 p.m. local time, while the captain arrived around two. At first, I was very perplexed by this, and I will explain a little more later on, but when I saw the pictures of the accident, I was like, this flight's only like an hour long, right? Why? Anyways, we'll talk about that later on. Mm -hmm. But then I found out pretty quickly. Because the flight was scheduled to depart at 2.45 p.m. local time out of Burbank. However, the aircraft was coming from LAX and didn't arrive at Las Vegas until 4.30 p.m., about two hours late. Oh. Due to rain and gusty winds in Las Vegas. Oh. <laughs> Which also took me for a loop. Like the one time they probably had rain and wind in Las Vegas.
0: <laughs> that ever. year. Yeah, yeah ever.
1: Because <laughs> that just doesn't happen, I swear to God. Not you I mean, I've been there in the rain. I have been in Las Vegas in the rain. It was like January. <laughs> but it doesn't happen very much.
2: I have coworkers in Vegas, mm-hmm. and they don't know how I could even fathom the snow. I'm like, I love the snow. I hate your weather. Hot. Yeah.
1: Just nonstop hot.
0: I just don't like anything. <laughs> yeah. Brandon is always salty. I belong
1: I'm a I belong in where everybody wants to live, and that is like San Diego weather.
2: No, it's humid.
1: It's not even that humid. It's like 70 degrees year-round and not that bad.
2: I don't want to be near the water.
1: It's not that bad there,
2: though. I don't want to be near the
1: water. They have mountains, too. (laughs) You don't have to live next to the water. You can live in the
0: mountains. But the air is still humid from the water. Not that bad. It's not like it is here, though. No. Because we don't have any water here.
1: SoCal is a pretty dry place, actually.
0: Not as dry as here.
1: Nope. Anywho. The crew swap was completed, and the accident crew completed their pre-flight activities. The flight finally departed the gate at 4.50 p.m., more than two hours late. What is stunning to that about me is the fact that this was a 20-minute turn.
2: Holy crap!
1: They arrived at 4.30. They departed the gate at 4.50. That's a damn good They turn. did a crew swap, pre-flight everything. They took people off, they put people on, they took bags off, they put bags on. But, mind you, there's a lot of differences between aviation, even in 2000 versus, of course, 2002, <laughs> like two years later. Because of a certain very large event that happened right in the middle of that.
0: Cough, cough, 9-11.
1: Cough, cough.
0: No idea what you're talking about.
1: Southwest still has notoriously very, very short turn times for their 737s.
2: What are their turn times now? They do
1: it in like 35 minutes. They are rapid. They are fast. It's astonishing.
2: What does MTA stand for?
1: Minimum turn allowable. Or maximum turn allowable.
2: This is not going to be Googleable.
1: Probably not. This is usually internal information.
2: But I want to know. If you are Southwest Ground Crew slash Gate Staff, I would like to know what your MTA is. Please and thank you. Short. Thank you.
1: Short. At most, I would imagine like 40 minutes.
2: I want to know.
1: But this is, I mean, this was rapid. 20 minutes. They turned this airplane in 20 minutes. That's just insane to me. You have to have everything really right on time to do that. The takeoff, climb, and cruise portions of flight were normal. For this leg, the captain was to be the pilot flying, while the first officer was to be the pilot monitoring. The flight was relatively short. And since it was, the flight crew obtained the ATIS information, Airport Automated Terminal Information System, for Burbank Airport, a short time after takeoff, which was information Oscar. We have talked about ATIS information plenty of times. If you are not familiar with this, I recommend going back.
2: Or Googling it.
1: Yes, I will not spend a whole lot of time talking about this. It gives some general information about the airport at the time. And weather. Right. Any no-tams, weather, anything like that. Moving on. At the time, winds at Burbank were reported at 260 degrees at 18 knots, gusting 26 knots, which is a relatively hefty wind. The ADIS told them that they were landing using runway 33 and 26 at Burbank. At the time, Burbank has two crossing runways. It is a very, very, very small airport on the precipice of barely being legal in the commercial world. If you don't know what I mean, go look at a map and look at the terminal and you'll figure out quickly what I mean. People love this airport though, and having flown in there, it's pretty spectacular and like, it's really neat.
0: I like it way better than LAX.
1: Burbank is nice. 5 54 p.m. and 21 seconds, the captain stated that they would plan on a runway 3 3 approach and landing, since that was one of the two options. He also requested the approach descent checklist, as they would be descending again soon. This flight, I mean, having taken this exact flight with Southwest, it is Movie short. (laughs) Movie short. You are at cruising altitude for maybe 5 10 minutes. Maybe. Maybe. 6.02 p.m. and 52 seconds. The Southern California Terminal Radar Approach Control informed the flight that the ATIS information had changed to information pop up and that they should expect an ILS approach and landing on runway 8 instead. 6.03 p.m. and 29 seconds. The airplane was 20 nautical miles north of the Bud or Buddy. Outer marker flying at 8,000 feet. This is Bravo Uniform Delta Delta Echo. This is the outer marker on the ILS approach to runway 8. This doesn't really mean a whole lot in why they decided to use that outer marker in particular as a point of interest. I'm not sure, but they did it a lot in the story. Not that it's not necessarily important, it's an important point along their navigating and along their route. And the only reason I can think that this is important will come up later.
2: Oh, it doesn't come up in the analysis at all.
1: Oh, I know. But it has a little bit to do with the cause, so we'll talk about that later on. Anyways, that's the point they reference. The air traffic controller instructed the flight to turn left to a heading of one nine zero degrees and descend and maintain six thousand feet. The first officer acknowledged this six o four p.m. at two seconds, a little over thirty seconds later. The air traffic controller requested that the flight maintain two hundred and thirty knots or greater until the air traffic controller advised. The captain acknowledged that message. The first officer obtained the new ATIS information, Papa then switched back to the approach control frequency. 6.04 p.m. and 42 seconds, the first officer advised the captain that the approach target speed would be 138 knots and that winds had reduced down to 6 knots at the airport. Is that all he said? Pretty much. Oh. That's all they noted that he really said. 6.05 p.m. and 8 seconds, the airplane was 16 nautical miles from the Bud Outer Marker. Or Buddy. I'm really not sure. At 6,000 feet, when the air traffic controller instructed the flight to turn left to a heading of 160 degrees, 6.05 6.05 p.m. and 54 seconds, the air traffic controller instructed the flight to descend and maintain 5,000 feet. The air traffic controller also advised the flight that they were following another southwest flight ahead of them at their 1 o'clock, 12 miles ahead, at 4,600 feet, turning on to final on the same approach, and the first officer acknowledged. 6.07 p.m. and 43 seconds, the air traffic controller cleared the flight to descend and maintain 3,000 feet, and the first officer acknowledged. p.m. and 18 seconds, so about 30 seconds later, the first officer advised the air traffic controller that they had the preceding southwest traffic in sight. They were aware of the other airplane. The air traffic controller followed this message immediately by instructing the flight to cross Van Nuys, the Van Nuys airport, at or above 3,000 feet, and cleared them for the visual approach to runway 8. At the time, plenty of visual visibility, they could see the airport The Van Nuys Airport is unnervingly close to Burbank, considering the Van Nuys Airport is one of the busiest general aviation airports in the world.
2: Rivaled by Centennial.
1: Yes, here in Colorado. Van Nuys is very busy because it is Hollywood's airport. Burbank is technically called the Burbank Hollywood Airport. It's the commercial airport for Hollywood. Yeah. But in terms of where everybody famous keeps their stuff, it's Van Nuys. That is it. It does have a Perpendicular runway to the approach for runway eight, and you fly directly over it when you approach runway eight at Burbank, which is why this is a normal procedure to stay at or above 3,000 feet. The first officer acknowledged the air traffic controller's request. 6:08 p.m. and 36 seconds, the flight was descending through 3,800 feet when the captain began the left turn for the final approach. As the flight passed two miles west of Van Nuys at 3,000 feet and around 220 to 230 knots, the captain deployed the speed brakes to slow the airplane down for the approach final approach. 609 p.m. and 28 seconds, the captain called for flaps 5, 5 degrees. This is a 737. They work in degrees. 609 p.m. and 43 seconds, the captain called for gear down, which was just 15 seconds later. 609 p.m. and 53 seconds, just 10 seconds after that, the air traffic controller stated southwest 1455, wind uh, 210 at 6, runway 8 clear to land. Simultaneously, the captain called for flaps 15 degrees, 6.10 p.m. in one second, the captain again called for flaps 15, then immediately for flaps 25. 6.10 p.m. in 24 seconds, the ground proximity warning system sounded sync rate. This was followed a short time later by whoop whoop, pull up. Uh-oh. Just five seconds later, the captain called for flaps 30 degrees, followed four seconds later by air crest request for flaps 40 degrees. Hold
0: on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold <laughs> on. So the EGPWS is going off.
1: It's just the GPWS. This or, one doesn't have an EGPWS, uh, but okay. yes.
0: And syncrate, right? And you decide to put more flaps?
1: Yes, which in theory does arrest their descent, but we'll have a long discussion about that part later on. Hi. Okay. You are catching on to something. You're on to something. It seems spacious.
2: If anyone was listening to numbers as Nick was talking, which I have a hard time doing, you may also be screaming internally.
1: Oh, it gets worse. There's one There's one very key number that I have already stated once, and I will state what actually happened in just a moment. I will continue. The captain then called for the final descent checklist, which was visually run through by the first officer. The aircraft crossed the threshold to runway 8 at 6.10pm and 58 seconds at 182 knots. The aircraft touched down, spoilers deployed, and the thrust reversers activated. The end of the runway appeared to be approaching very quickly. 182 is a little fast, right? Good catch. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute.
0: You're trying to, like, fly by that. And I'm like, um, hold on. Did you hear what the reference speed was earlier? I did not.
1: That's okay. We'll talk about it. But I
0: I can guess what happens next.
1: Yep, I bet you can. The captain pressed on the wheel brakes before the aircraft reached 80 knots, and the first officer joined him in braking heavily, as hard as they could, as a matter of fact. Because
0: they are their pants.
1: Yes, pretty much. Almost literally. They
0: got brown pants.
1: Yep. The aircraft quickly approached the end of the runway, and the captain made a slight right turn using the steering tiller at his side, his left side, which, not ideal.
0: That's not what that's meant for.
1: It is meant for steering the wheel, but not at high rates of speed.
0: Not (laughs) not
1: on (laughs) landing. It's for taxi. Not on landing, yeah. Not
2: on landing or takeoff, by the way, Mr. Continental Captain.
1: Yes. Correct. Anyways. 6.11 6.11 p.m. and 20 seconds, the aircraft slid past the end of the runway through the perimeter chain-link fence yeah. and a perimeter wall before coming to rest on a city street. Sound familiar? Yeah. They may or may not have done this in Midway a handful yeah. of years later. Yeah. Which uh-huh. we already covered.
2: And guess what was at the end of the runway?
1: The gas station.
2: We really need to stop <laughs> doing this.
0: Gas plant, gas <laughs> station, concrete structures. They didn't
1: physically impact said gas station, but the pictures... Are unnerving.
0: Can we also
2: just stop putting gas stations at the end of runways?
1: They got rid of this one.
2: Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we will talk a lot about this airport because it has changed. Anyways, we'll get there. Anyways, this episode will be really fun in the second half, but you're gonna get mad when Christy gets to her part. Oh, I bet I will. And we'll have lots of fun discussion about how this changed things. But it's- for a report that also doesn't have recommendations or findings, I will say it's a short report, it's quite short, it was 22 pages. But, but
2: I'm really happy with my notes and how they turned out. Yeah,
1: no, this is still a reasonable episode. It's definitely something worth covering. Anyways, an emergency evacuation began almost immediately. All passengers and crew successfully evacuated. Two passengers were seriously injured. 42 other passengers and crew, including the captain, were minorly injured. During the impact with defense, the nose cone detached. Oh. The front landing gear detached. Oh. And the forward left evacuation slide deployed in the cabin. Oh, Ow. Where two crew were seated. Oh no! <laughs> I bet they were like the I'm sure that was a less than pleasant experience because yep. that is a rocket-propelled slide. Yep. This is not a comfortable thing. That to sounds happen.
2: uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, it was not a comfortable thing. I imagine they were amongst the injured, but they were not severely injured. The airplane was written off because of the damage.
2: Yeah, yeah, no.
1: Yeah, it was it was pretty damaged. I can show you the one soul even remotely. Interesting picture from this accident, not that it really is of...
2: It was in Southwest's
1: ugly livery. It was in their, their Poop. poo colors. Oh, ew. But this is, you can see the sign for the gas station where it parked. Yeah. <laughs> the lost nose cone and the slide which had been thrown out the door and detached.
0: Man, I wish gas prices were that low. All right. That's the, you're talking about 2000 here.
1: Now, mind you, I do remember a couple of years ago, down got down to like 180-something, and I was pretty happy That's because of minute. COVID, yeah. I was happy for a minute, but then it went right back up. Anyways, yeah, that was a thing. This is another one of those instances where, you know, when you lose a landing gear, the rear slides suddenly become a very steep exit. Yes. <laughs> from the aircraft. So I imagine that had to do with some of the injuries. Not that impacting a fence and a brick wall was comfortable.
0: No, I, I'm guessing it was not. It was not. Okay, is that all you got? That's it. Okay, this investigation was performed by the... The N- T-S-B!
2: The Natizba! And they were able to recover both black boxes.
1: Woohoo! Yeah, that's probably because they had an airplane. The
2: airplane. Turns out, and they got transcripts from both. Yep. So, to elongate my portion a little bit. I know in passing that I have mentioned the Swiss cheese model of risk management before, but I don't think I've ever actually really defined it. So, I'm going to do that now because it's pertinent.
1: The Swiss cheese model is very, very, very prominent in many industries.
2: It's also to... used in healthcare, apparently.
1: Yes, absolutely. Healthcare is one of the number one industries I've heard this model used, but it is usable in a lot of different industries as well as just kind of throughout life to understand how things go wrong.
2: So, think of slices of Swiss cheese. They have holes in them, as it turns out.
0: Normally, yeah.
1: If you
2: have a stack of Swiss cheese slices, the more slices you have, the fewer chances you have of the holes lining up all the way through and being able to see all the way through the stack of slices. In safety and risk management, this model is used in accident prevention. Each preventative measure represents a slice of cheese, reducing the chance of a situation lining up just right for an accident. This means that when an accident does occur, it often happens because multiple things went wrong. And if any of those occurrences hadn't happened, the accident may have been avoided. That
0: happens to us all the
2: time. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Mainly what we talk about. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Guess what happened here? Uh, Of course. As Nick had mentioned, this was a pretty brief report, so I don't have much fluff to add. Let's jump right in. On this aircraft, as well as with many aircraft, it was equipped with an onboard performance computer, or OPC. And this OPC had a landing module that Southwest Airlines Procedure said should be used in any of the following situations. 1. Tailwinds exist. 2. There's a high gross weight. 3. You're landing on a short runway. Well, did any of these exist? At 6.04 and 42 seconds, the first officer obtained information PAPA and proceeded to indicate to the captain that they had a six-knot wind. A tailwind. Yep. Check. The landing weight of the airplane was estimated to be 113,425 pounds, very close to the maximum landing weight of 114,000 pounds. Check. Check. Runway 8 was 6,032 feet long without a runway safety area. Check.
1: Yeah, it's short. It's short.
2: So not one, not two, but all three scenarios were fulfilled. So did they use the landing module to assist in calculating the configuration, landing distance, landing reference speed, and suggested power settings? No! (sighs) Of course not. How, how would I, I, I? It was just a guess. I wouldn't talk about it otherwise. Swiss Cheese Slice One Use the landing module. Yeah, they didn't. <clears throat> like the thing to help you? Uh-huh. The they thing did. that helps you?
1: Yeah. They, 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 didn't, they didn't do that.
2: Southwest Airlines Flight Operations Manual states that during tailwind landing conditions, a flight crew should fly V ref plus five knots. According to the CVR, the first officer had informed the captain that the target airspeed would be 138 knots. So per the manual, they should fly at... 143 knots. Which
1: they also didn't discuss.
2: Okay, good, good. So, 143 knots. They landed faster
1: than that. <laughs> it's funny you mention that.
2: Airline <laughs> procedure also indicates that if certain parameters are exceeded during approach, such as target airspeed plus 10 knots or sink rate, the pilot monitoring should make a call out about it so the pilot flying can take corrective action. They didn't do that. When interviewed, the first officer acknowledged that after the captain called for flaps 40, he saw the airspeed increase to 190 knots. Oh my god! significantly higher than target airspeed plus 10 knots. Why didn't he yeah. say anything? He reported that he had pointed to the airspeed indicator, but never made a verbal call-out. Correct. Why the hell?
0: Continue. I'm sure it's just going to get worse from here. <laughs> furthermore, yes.
2: furthermore, the ground proximity warning system was sounding the sink rate alert several times during the approach, and the first officer didn't say anything about it. But the ca- it's not like the captain's death. I know, but nope. call-outs overall. Yes, Swiss, I mean... Swiss cheese slice number two, speed and sink rate deviation call-outs. This aircraft was not equipped with an automatic radio altimeter callout on final approach, so the first officer had the responsibility of making the callouts at 1,500, 400, 300, 200, 150, 30, and 10 feet of altitude. Guess what didn't happen? Any didn't do those. any
0: of those, did he? Any of those.
2: Swiss cheese slice 2A, since such callouts would have also been indicative of an excessive sink rate. Correct. A sub cheese slice? I don't know. I don't know. Half of a cheese slice? Don't come for me. The FDR shows that the aircraft touched down at 182 knots, 44 knots, over the reference speed for the flight, so the investigators determined that they landed at an excessive airspeed, no. a pretty significant causal factor of the runway overrun. No. Both the radar and the flight data recorder showed a flight path angle of 7 degrees, which is more than double the typical 3 degree angle for visual or instrument approaches, leading to the ground proximity warning system sounding both sync rate and whoop, whoop, pull, pull up. up. Several times, indicating to the crew that the approach was unstabilized, which apparently is not an actual word in the English language.
1: Both of those things were occurring for about 30 seconds. And those were about 30 seconds just before touchdown.
0: I'm still surprised that they were able to do this descent still. Like, both of them were like, yep, this is the thing we're doing. Let let me keep
2: going.
1: We'll get there. The
2: captain confirmed in his post-crash interview that he was not within company operating guidelines at 500 feet because his airspeed was too high and he was, quote-unquote, not in the slot. Then course, why did you land? Let me keep going. According to Southwest Airlines, a go-around should be performed whenever the aircraft is not in the slot, with slot conditions including proper sink rate, on glide path, and proper airspeed for existing conditions. And again I say, why did you land? The first officer also reported being out of the slot, but did not mention it to the captain, as it appeared that he was already correcting back to the slot. But neither the CVR, nor the FDR, nor the radar data showed any indication of reducing airspeed, vertical speed, or flight path angle during the descent. Therefore, investigators deemed the approach to be unstabilized and out-of-operating procedure, leading the flight to land 2,150 feet down the runway instead of the prescribed 1,000 to 1,500 feet, and a go-around maneuver should have been performed.
0: Yes. Swiss cheese
2: slice three. Why did you land? You can always go go around. (sighs) Go around. Uh-huh. Yep. It's going great. No, it's uh, the opposite of great. Further increasing the stopping distance was the fact that this was a wet runway. Yes, it was. Investigators calculated that given the conditions, the crew would have needed 4,700 feet of runway to stop using maximum wheel brakes. Well, stopping 2,150 feet down the runway only leaves 3,882 feet. So they were done for solely because of how far down the runway they touched down, regardless of any braking methods.
1: On top of the speed.
2: Yep. But that's not all. Let's talk about air traffic control. At 6.04, the Southern California Terminal Radar Approach Control Woodland Controller.
1: Yeah, that was the full name. I just kind of decided not to go all the way through that.
2: He stated, Southwest 1455, maintain 230 or greater, till advised, please. Four minutes later, the controller stated, Southwest 1455, cross Van Nuys, out or above 3000, cleared visual approach runway 8. Per the Aeronautical Information Manual, this approach clearance actually cancels any earlier speed assignment. But you can see why that might be a bit ambiguous to the flight crew. Mm -hmm. Either the flight crew should have asked the controller to remove the speed adjustment assignment or the controller could have done it on his own. In fact, when interviewed, he said he didn't know why he didn't cancel it. And this would have given the crew an additional 37 seconds or so to start reducing speed, leading to a more stable approach. Instead, all the data showed that the speed brakes and flaps weren't used until 6.09, leading to a delay in airspeed reduction and configuration, leading to the flight crew initiating final descent at a higher altitude and airspeed than normal. Swiss cheese slice number four, airspeed instruction from air traffic control. Dangerous. Data from other flights vectored to runway 8 at Burbank from the north side showed that most of them were vectored to intercept the final approach between 9 and 15 nautical miles west of the threshold. Flight 1455 was vectored to intercept only eight nautical miles from the threshold, putting them in an unfavorable position as it complicated the approach planning and execution and contributed to the unstabilized approach. Swiss cheese slice number five, adequate vectoring to approach. One more point I wouldn't say was a huge factor, but was mentioned. You remember the instruction to cross Van Nuys at or above 3,000? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Van Nuys actually technically wasn't in their flight path. So it's kind of an ambiguous instruction. And I think they meant to say cross a beam of Van Nuys at 3,000 or above.
1: Possibly. They're so used to saying just probably cross Van Nuys because that's just it's so it's it's relatively close to their flight path.
2: Regardless, this may have also delayed the descent, but nothing confirms whether or not this was the case, so they didn't- I didn't classify it as a Swiss cheese slice. If any of the five items I had mentioned had gone correctly, it may have prevented the crash as all five contributed to the unstabilized approach, or could have prevented it had it gone right. And that's all
0: I've got.
1: It's a combination of many, many, many things.
0: I- okay- I realize that that's like an issue, but I wouldn't say it's like a huge contributing issue.
1: No, definitely not.
0: CRM was definitely a problem. CRM
1: was the biggest problem. And
0: like problem. flying the airplane properly.
1: <laughs> right. CRM yeah. was the biggest problem. Continuation bias was probably the second. I period. was going
0: to say they have a case to get their ITIS. Like Oh,
1: big time. Because Because they're already running late. We right? didn't state this, but here's the part that would really really make you mad. When the f- the captain called for flaps to be extended, You might have noticed that he called for flaps 30 and flaps 40 very, very rapidly. Yes. One after the other. You might also
2: recall that certain aircraft have a certain safety feature where it won't let you extend flaps to a certain degree if you're flying at a certain speed.
1: Rather, it won't let the flaps extend, so you can pull the lever down, but it will not extend the flaps until it has reached its reference speed, its proper safe speed for flaps. Well, the first officer noted the flaps 40 speed to the captain, which was 158 knots, which they didn't reach until they were already on the ground and on the roll. Yeah. You know, on the rollout.
0: So it never got to 40 degrees. 40
1: degrees extended while they were on the ground. Furthermore, the captain stated out loud... Let me see if I can find it exactly. Put it to 40. Won't go down. I know that. It's all right.
0: Not all right.
1: Final descent checklist.
0: That means you know you're too
1: fast. He knew this that he was asking for flaps to be extended to 40 before they would go down.
0: At that point, you should have gone around. It was an unstable approach. It was an unstable approach ages ago. Why call it if you know they're not going to extend? There's no point in using that then.
1: That to me was the biggest sign of a breakdown of CRM and get there for sure. Continuation bias for sure. He wanted to get this airplane on the ground no matter what. And it was dangerous. For some reason, for some unknown reason. They were late, but who cares? Yeah. Now you were trying to get this airplane on the ground in a very unsafe situation. And that's the whole thing. I mean, it just he he knew it's not even like this was a blind thing. They were well aware. Yep. Both flight crews stated recognizing and they remembered that the airplane sink rate alarm was going off for 30 seconds.
2: And they
0: also <laughs> both said that they weren't in the slot, as right. is prescribed by Southwest Airlines. And yeah. again, it, it, that just pisses me off, though. Like, if you know you're not in the slot, then clearly it's an unstable approach. Go around. Right. Clearly, you are not doing your best to get this airplane on the ground safely. Correct. You should go around and try again. Correct. Via right? Grace. <laughs>
1: yes. So, we have some more things to talk about. We'll talk about it in the second half. Well, This will be more conversational since there's no findings or wrecks, but we will do the probable cause and we will talk about some more fun things. Fun.
2: I need to read the probable cause. (laughs) You weren't ready. No, I was not ready. Okay, the National Transportation Safety Board determines that the probable cause of this accident was the flight crew's excessive airspeed and flight path angle during the approach and landing and its failure to abort the approach when stabilized approach criteria were not met. Contributing to the accident was the controller's positioning of the airplane in such a manner as to leave no safe option for the flight crew other than a go-around maneuver.
1: I still don't blame the air traffic controller. He didn't leave them in a good situation. But that doesn't necessarily mean they, they had
2: still could have gone no around. Choice. They could have gone around.
1: Yeah. He didn't leave them with no choice.
2: Yes. So. I don't know. Okay. That's my feeling on it. Let's, okay. Let's talk about Burbank for a second.
1: So Burbank is this notoriously very small airport that has a lot of commercial service, actually, in that is completely crowded by city. This is much in the same vein as Midway. And a conversation that we brought up at Midway very much applies to Burbank, right. and this airport was the first major airport to change this, and this accident was why. But they added E Wow,
0: what i like, su- I'm not surprised actually. Emergency engineering material. Yeah, engineering
1: material oh, resting arresting system. system. The, the it collapsible is collapsible stuff. concrete. If you look this stuff up, it's like it looks like concrete on the surface, but it's super soft and crumbly. And when the airplane,
0: it swallows the airplane.
1: Yes, when the airplane gets to it, it just eats it. It just grabs the airplane and brings it to a not-so-gentle stop. Yep. But it keeps the Airflame from being completely destroyed, too. It is a marvelous thing, and when there is no proper runway end safety area available, i.e. there's a massive road right at the end of the runway at Burbank, which runway 8 is the most frequently used, particularly by Southwest, because the other end of it, runway 26, is right there at their gates. Uh Those are the gates. That's the only taxiway available. They're straight out. Like, this is runway 26. That's the route. And yeah. so they put in a 170 by 170 foot EMAS section at the end and it is a square like that. It is a square. Yeah. What they found is that in
2: 2018 Southwest flight 278 overran the runway and missed the EMAS. It
1: missed the EMAS by going to the left. Damn. So they added a whole extra section of e right here to the left. <laughs> that way it wouldn't miss it. Because it turned out that pilots have a tendency to do that. Because on, do you have the other one?
2: Actually, I think I said it wrong because that flight was stopped by EMAS. They didn't list the other flight that missed the EMAS, but one of them missed the EMAS, so one eventually did make it in the...
1: So, yeah, one missed the EMAS, and then there was another one that ended up in the EMAS. There was one that ended up in the EMAS last year, and you could actually see where they repaired it. Yep. (laughs) Look at it. And it was Southwest. This seems to be a very common recurrence at Burbank, and EMAS is the solution, because it saved the airplanes and the people. And the road and the the fence.
2: The the Burbank... (laughs) Wikipedia does not list the one from last year, which is, I think, where I got confused.
1: Yeah, gotcha. Anyways, that happened.
2: Southwest has a tendency of overrunning runway eight.
1: That's because it is still a very short runway.
2: That hasn't changed.
1: Yeah. They land bigger airplanes there. 737s are not the largest thing that land there. For example, on the ramp in this picture is an A300. Yeah. Which was- is like two and a half times the size.
0: <laughs> well.
1: So that's a thing. But
0: it turns so- out when you know what you're
1: doing. Right. You don't need to use it. Now, they do have a longer runway, and it's the opposing one, but you have to taxi a much longer distance to use that, so they almost never do. They much prefer landing on runway eight because then it's an immediate turn into parking at the end of that.
2: Well, then do it right. So. Correct. Runway eight got shorter since this report.
1: Yeah, because they added a little bit of a runway and safety area.
2: So it is now no longer 6,032 feet. It is now, according to Wikipedia, 5,802 feet.
1: (laughs) So there you go. I have done this landing. I mean, I've been I've been on a Southwest flight on this landing, the exact same flight on this landing. It is a spectacular landing and a spectacular airport. It really is. It is something of marvel. This little airport is looks like it's from the '60s inside and out because it is. Because <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> but they kept it that way, and honestly, it's it's kind of cool. It's like an Art Deco style airport. It's pretty neat. But yeah, they added this emas, and it has been used. <laughs> that's the part that's just astonishing. Is like they added it. Because it needed to be there because of this accident, and then another airplane missed it, and so they added more, and then it was used.
2: Southwest <laughs> L- just has a very bad reputation.
1: It's an unfortunate reality of this airport. But it proved that EMAS is a viable option to get airplanes safely to stop without going past the end of the runway too far.
0: You
2: are correct. It did cost $4 million to install the initial EMAS, by the
1: way. Ooh. Yeah, that's pricey. Worthwhile investment, turns out.
2: Turns out. It also stopped a private jet in 2006. Cool. Now, there's one little tidbit I want to add on to this. A
1: fun thing.
2: This is a section from the Wikipedia page for the accident, and it is entitled, Dispute with the City of Burbank. Dispute. Uh-huh. Quote, Burbank City officials demanded that Southwest Airlines pay their $40,000 bill for services, including overtime for police officers and firefighters related to the March 5th, 2000 accident. Southwest refused to pay, stating that the airline is entitled to emergency services since it pays taxes to the city, end quote.
1: And also, I've never heard of this kind of thing happening at any other airport ever because they are there usually 24-7 for a reason. Why would you... That is part of what you pay for as an airline at the airport or any landing fee or anything like any anybody. That is just what it's there for. Taxes pay for that. The cities pay for that. That is a, a well-known, just well-provided thing. Like, we don't all pay firefighters when they show up to our house should it be on fire.
0: <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for saving my house. Here's $25,000.
1: Kind of like same thing with, you know, airports. Airports? So... I actually think Southwest was justified in saying no. Oh, 100%. (laughs) No?
0: No, that was like Burbank's like, we don't want to do this. It wasn't our fault.
1: Burbank's like, we want the money back. No. No. You're going to pay for it because you you should have the money. It has been provided to you.
0: That's the point of you having the money.
1: Right. (laughs) Like, when something goes wrong, like, look, we pay for you all the time anyways. That doesn't mean you necessarily get extra when things go wrong, when that is entirely your job is to deal with when things go wrong.
0: Exactly. (laughs) You're asking the people to do the thing.
1: That that they're they're trained to do do do. and they're to do.
0: And our taxes pay for.
1: It just, yeah, that just is like a whole thing. So that was just a fun little maddening tidbit. Like, duh. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no. What a waste of it's, resources The yes. audacity The audacity The audacity The You talk about Wasting resources
1: Yeah
2: Some poor accountant Had to issue that bill And probably looked at it And was like This
0: is f- stupid Here you go Southwest Who knows Southwest got the bill And went
1: uh, This rest. is f- stupid no. Nope No Gas station's gone The gas station in the picture Is gone
2: It's now a green space
1: No Not really Oh Kind of There's like a truck Rental yard.
2: The Wikipedia says it's a green space.
1: Kind of. It might be like this green space. (laughs) It probably is this green space.
2: I'm just telling you what Wikipedia said. I'm not saying it's right.
1: So that's a whole thing. And this is just when it comes to Accidents. This one definitely changed a lot of things, and it's a little bit disappointing when the report does not have a section of recommendations or even safety actions or even things that they did. Like or just, even
2: anything longer than thirty pages.
1: Right. They just didn't talk about it, but they did mention that EMAS was installed because it was installed before the report came out. Burbank was quick to act.
0: Yeah, they were like, "Uh, we don't want this happening." <laughs>
1: yeah, this was catastrophic, and the surrounding community cannot deal with this. We're going we're to lucky make that. <laughs> they didn't hit the gas. Yeah, we are going to fix this immediately. Yeah. Now, if only Midway had learned that then.
0: (laughs) Midway is a mess.
1: Instead of having to do this later, in which case they did.
0: They, I mean, you think about Midway and how small of an airport it is and how populous area it's situated in.
1: Well, the astonishing thing to me is that Midway, so Burbank is a pretty small airport. Midway is busier and yet somehow just about as small. Yes. Not much bigger in area at all. It is very small. And yet they fit five runways in that airport at Midway. It's astonishing. It is literally like four square city blocks, large city blocks. So that was a, a quite a sizable change. This is also an accident of note because this was the very first accident for Southwest Airlines in their 28 year history up to that point. Which is pretty good. That's pretty significant considering aviation was not so safe. And they didn't seem to have such good CRM. (laughs) Uh, I was just about to say, I'm like, they have
0: really bad CRM. I'm surprised this is the first one they've had.
1: I shouldn't necessarily say they have bad CRM, but this crew did. Which is weird because they both had quite a bit of experience with Southwest and on this type. Neither one of them were new. Like, this shouldn't have been an issue. It just seems like a little bit of just complacency more than anything. Yeah. Because the, the, the company even had, like, CRM policies in place for every single one of the things that they did wrong. So that's why They I, just didn't do them. Right. I almost don't even necessarily blame Southwest. They they had the stuff in place. It just wasn't being used. So their training program obviously needed some work. Their retraining program really needed to be upkept. Yeah, I bet
0: the the first officer and the captain—do we know what happened to them?
1: Not a clue. Not um, a clue.
0: I bet they got retrained if they retained their jobs. Right.
1: If they did not get canned, (laughs) they, I'm sure, got retrained. I didn't find anything about what happened to them after the accident, nor do I usually.
2: I'm not going to LinkedIn stalk them.
1: No, I don't really care that much. One of them would be long retired since then. The other one, I don't know. So anyways, that is the whole of it, since there are no findings or recommendations to do. But it was significant. This was an important one.
0: Yeah. That was Southwest Airlines flight. I don't remember the flight number.
1: 1455.
0: There we go. 1455. Thanks so much for listening,
1: everybody. Yeah.
0: As always, here's my uh, weekly plug to go check out the Patreon so you can hear all the stuff we're about to talk about about post-episode.
1: Yes. And also go sign up for the newsletter because a new one should have just come out, probably. Oh, yes. Because we just did... The answer is in the last episode, so yeah. I have to assume that this they, is the, fir- this is the, the first, first one for June. for June. June, yeah. So, wow, June has come up so fast.
0: Don't. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I'm just, I'm ready for summer, so. So. So, thanks so much for listening. Do all the things. Check out the Patreon. Check out the newsletter. Answer the trivia questions. Send us a listener question or a listener story. Yeah. And check out the Merce page. Yes. Bye I wish I could
1: wish I could have more to fill this second half with because it's not proportionally equal.
0: (laughs) No, it's not.
1: But there's not. There's not anything else to talk about.
0: Let me check and see if there's a listener question. That's a good idea. There is not. Well, dang. Okay. Okay, we tried. So, thanks so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. We hope you have a safe and healthy week. We'll catch you guys next week. Keep your speed up.